0: Hey, this is Robin and Rich from Stonebroken. You're listening to Jay Scott on the Hook Rocks. I think you should definitely go and buy Revelation by Stonebroken. Go and buy it now. Do it. Open my eyes to a new kind of way All the good times that you say. Are you feeling Feeling that way too? Or am I just, am I just a fool? In the sun. You judge my life. Good evening, everyone. Welcome back. It is Jay Scott. It is the Hook Rocks. It is the Ultimate Rock Community Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for stopping by. Always appreciate it. Don't forget, we are part of the Pantheon Podcast Network, a great network network of music related podcasts. You can catch some of my friends on the Pantheon Podcast platform, like Tom and Zeus from Shout Out Loudcast, Martin Popoff, the rock historian, Mistress Carrie out in Boston. Ron and Estee, Vinny Apice, Carmen Apeace on the Hanging and Banging Podcast, as well as Decibel Geek and Mac from the Ugly American Werewolf in London podcast. Don't forget to check out some of my friends too, as well. The Itch, Rock, and Radio show, Pot of Thunder, Bend and Scoop. And our next guest who'll we'll be talking to is a, is a good friend of the show. But let me continue on here for a bit. Don't forget to follow the hook rocks wherever you podcast. Whether it's on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Google, we're available on every platform. Don't forget to set your app to automatic download so you get the latest Hook Rocks episode and you get to check out all the previous episodes. We're approaching 400. We should be there probably by mid to late summer. So we've got a lot for you to enjoy. We've got a lot of new music spotlights. We've got a lot of new episodes that we've had recently, namely Scott Gorham from Thin Lizzy. We just had Moore from Triumph. And Joe Satriani, as well, promoting his new album, The Elephants of Mars. We've done some great new music spotlights with Fortune Child, Sixth Sense, Change Over Razors, and Bastet, another great band, as well as the Georgia Thunderbolts and Julius Wolf, and some great new music commentary. We did our quarterly episode, kind of like our flagship episode with uh, Chris Corradetti ranking the albums of the... First quarter in 2022, not a lot of releases. That's why we kind of had a lot of the similar choices as we usually don't. We usually have a wide variety of things for you to check out, but I think that's just going to get better here in the second and third and fourth quarter as we move forward in 2022. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at the hook rocks, as well as Instagram and Facebook. Also don't forget to write us a review. Tell us what you think of the show. We always like to hear your feedback. We've got some great episodes Coming up soon, uh, we're going to be reviewing the warning show this coming Thursday at the Bottom Lounge in Chicago, Blacktop Mojo, in my hometown, Desplaines, Illinois, at the Desplaines Theater. And on Saturday, can't wait to check out the Gifts from the Holy Ghost Tour with Classis Act, Joyous Wolf, and Dorothy. That should be a great show at the House of Blues. So look for reviews on that as we head into May. And like I said, I've got a really good friend of mine here on the show tonight uh, it's been a while since he's been on we uh we had him on the beginning of the podcast we did an y legacy show because we're both diehard y fans i think i'll tip my cap to him because i think he's probably a bigger fan than i am even though i'm a huge y fan and then we talked about the impact of the bay area on hard rock and heavy metal with metallica sammy hagar and bands that came out of that area, like the band we're going to talk about tonight. The guest is Sonny Pooney from the Grown Up Rock Podcast, as well as Podcast Rock City. And we're going to be talking the legacy of Journey. What's happening, Sonny? What's going on?
1: Dude, gl- glad to be here, and I'm super glad you and your family are healthy, because I heard all that crap, and I'm glad you guys worked out of it.
0: Yeah, you know, catching COVID uh, at the end of the year, um, that was not not a lot of fun, especially missed Christmas. I couldn't go to my mom's for Christmas, so I had to drive over there, and she had a bunch of food on the patio. And I picked up, and I brought it home. I couldn't see my son till after New Year's. We were supposed to go to California. It was a whole mess. But thank you for the thoughts. I appreciate it. Yeah, we got lucky. Uh, we were 50-50.
1: Half of us caught it. Half of us didn't. I was on the side of the half that didn't. At least I don't think so, because I got all three shots. So maybe I had it and didn't realize I had it. But as far as I know, I didn't get it.
0: Well, you know, it's just a lot of people got it before people knew about it. Right. Yeah. So I was thinking about getting the third shot. I've gotten, you know, the two the two shots, the two um, main uh, vaccine shots. And then, of course, I've gotten COVID. So my immune system. Is probably my defense system is probably really good, but I still want to get the booster because I do plan on traveling this summer, and now that they don't have masks and stuff on the plane i uh I think I should probably get it, so I probably will be doing that.
1: You were ca- contemplating monsters of rock at one point, right? Are you still contemplating that? When is that again? Is that
0: next February? It's next April So okay, so it's like a year from now. Yeah. what What is that like, Sonny? Pa- paint a picture for me. <laughs>
1: uh, okay. So normally there's a night or two of pre-parties, right? So okay. let's say the ship leaves off a dock on a Friday afternoon. Then there'll be pre-parties on Wednesday night, Thursday night. Um, you get on the ship, you know, anywhere between 11 and 2 o'clock. Usually the first band plays right around 3.30 or 4 o'clock in one of the clubs. And basically you get an itinerary of everybody who's playing the next five days. And you, you know, it changes a little bit, obviously, because it's a schedule. It overlaps a bit because there's bands playing at the same time. Everybody plays twice. So you can kind of, all right, I'll see Queensryche on this day, but they're coinciding with Kotzen on this day. So I'm going to go see Kotzen on that day instead. And you just go from show to show, to show, to show starts at about, well, you could, I mean, you could see Hulk's right at eight o'clock in the morning if you want to, all the way to one o'clock in the morning every night. You don't sleep, basically. And it's the first uh, cruise, I saw 55 shows. Wow. wow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I learned my lesson, though. I'm like, all right. Do you ever that, get off the ship? Uh, you can if you want to, because it docks okay. twice. There was, uh, there's a year I've got off. And there's most of the years I don't get off because at times bands play on the nice. ship while it's docked. But like Faster Pussycat will play on the beach. I could give two shits about Faster Pussycats. So I don't go see that. But I'd rather see Lita or Honeymoon Suite on the ship instead. So,
0: Is there a lot of drinky?
1: Uh, there's a lot of drinking. I don't drink anymore. But yeah, there is quite a bit of drinking. Of course, there's a casino and there's karaoke every night. So it's kind of weird. You go from, there's three to 4,000 people on the ship. They all have the same hobby. You don't go to a single show, really, that has more than 1,000 people there because most of the shows, there's so many going on. The sail away, it's outside, so everybody's there. So there's like 3,000 people there. And then you shove 1,000 people every night into this place that holds like 200 to do karaoke, and that's where you hear like real singers, like Mark Sirachi doing ACDC karaoke like where are you gonna find that anywhere else you're not gonna find that anywhere else right uh what's his name blando did uh what did he do oh he did um either crying in the rain or here I go again he did a white snake song absolutely killed it I didn't even know Blando's saying
0: so this is I've I've contemplated for a few years. Um I've been asked to go a couple of occasions like hey you know everybody's going or people are going you should go maybe maybe next April maybe next April <laughs> Where is It'll it where is it uh, take problem. out of uh take off out of Florida
1: yeah I think it's going out of Port Canaveral this coming year but it's either usually Miami or Fort Lauderdale
0: interesting how's
1: the food on it oh it's just like any other cruise if you've ever been on a cruise yeah you, know, you can get the buffet every night if you want, or all day if you want, really. You can get pizza anytime you want. There's um, upgraded restaurants to where some of the restaurants are uh, part of the price of admission, so you can get sit-down food if you want. The problem is what happens is, Stephen, all right, our time frame is from 6 to 7.26 because it's 7.30, Jeff Tate's playing here. At eight o'clock, so and so is playing here, and at nine thirty, we got to get to this. So if we don't eat between six and seven twenty-six, you're not going to get a chance to eat. Like it's that kind of planning.
0: That's insane. <laughs> yeah. Is it? Is it a really cool place to people watch?
1: Oh, it's yeah, and you meet so many friends. I mean, I've got friends all over the world now, mm-hmm. and you know, just think about it this way. This is the best way to explain it for me, anyway. Where else are you gonna go where three to four thousand people have the same hobby? It's nowhere. Like even if you go to Comic Con, you're gonna get looky lose You don't get looky lose on a ship that costs money to go. It just doesn't happen. It's the same thing on the Kiss Cruise. Where are you gonna go with? Everybody's got the same hobby. Prison. Oh geez. I don't know if that's considered a hobby. What they might be doing in there might be considered a hobby, but what they did to get there <laughs> might not be a hobby. <laughs>
0: where can you go where 3,000 people have done the same thing you have prison <laughs> so what you're saying it's like a floating prison Sonny. yeah basically. Is what it is yeah yeah especially when it's a uh, you
1: know a faster pushy cash playing in one club enoughs enoughs in another club pretty boy Floyd's in another club and I just want to go to the casino instead
0: <laughs> can you hear prison. can you hear the music while you're in the casino
1: not really. So it okay. depends on if, like, depending on what ship it is, one of uh, the studios is right below you in the casino. So you can hear if somebody's playing in there, but it's so loud in the casino, you really can't make out who it is. And then the rest of it spread all over the ship. So you can't really hear it. Wow. Well,
0: who's, uh, is it any big acts coming next year?
1: They haven't announced, they've only announced a couple of like, you know, like Reckless Love is already announced um i think there's like four or five bands have been announced but
0: the majors haven't been announced yet interesting Eh, maybe 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 i'll do it i know i'm going to nam in june so i'll be out there i'm going down to creatures fest in may that'll be fun that's gonna be fun uh yeah and i don't know i want to check out vamp this summer in vegas so i'm going to see maybe if there's some bands playing over there and Maybe meet some friends I have in California, out in Vegas. But um, yeah, I want to. I want to get back to traveling. It's been a couple years since I've been. I've done anything, and uh, I'm getting that bug that I need to get out and do some stuff. And now that the restrictions are kind of lowered, some areas I think maybe too much. But uh, yeah, I'd like to get out there and start doing stuff I used to do.
1: Yeah, Vamped is a cool club. If you I don't know if you can shoehorn 300 people in there.
0: That's so great. I love one. that.
1: I love that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a great place to see bands. That's for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got to check that out. I know who owns that. Uh, I think it might be Coker. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: the uh, Danny Coker, I think owns it, but I'm not positive on that.
0: Okay. Sweet. Yeah. When I get down to Nashville for Creatures Fest, although I want to see Ace, Peter, Vinny, some of the other bands. I really want to hit uh you know Broadway and Second Avenue. Cause I think and some of the rock clubs, because I think Jackal and Tuck Smith are playing there. I know you don't I know you don't like Jackal. Well, Tuck let's, let's just let's just preface this that you know Sonny's taste in music is something to be desired.
1: It's different. We have different tastes in music. We are on yes. the opposite end sometimes.
0: Yes. I mean, Sunny is an individual that thought Iron Maiden Revelations, probably it's the terrible. best song on Peace of Mind, is a terrible song. Terrible. What are you talking about?
1: Terrible. Skip <sighs> it every time.
0: I, I, I can't even, I don't even, I I don't even want to go down that road because I just, I'll just end up getting frustrated throwing things and, uh yeah, getting off topic. Let's get on topic. Let's talk journey. Started as the Golden Gate Rhythm Section 1973. The band formed out of San Francisco with former members of Santana, Steve Miller band, and Fromless Bandersnatch. Guitarist Neil Sean is their only constant member. In my opinion, I think he's the backbone of the band. He is the he is Journey when you think about it. The band has gone through a lot of changes over the years. They were a fusion band to begin with uh, when they first started with their first couple of albums. Very instrumental, very proggy. Then they recorded an album with Robert Fleischman called Next. Robert Fleischman, of course, uh, part of the Vinnie Vincent Invasion. First album, Invasion. Uh, and then they kind of went mainstream rock after that. Uh, they started out with Infinity which, in my opinion, is their best record. Uh, it features song, the song Lights, which is great feeling that way, Anytime. Some really, really great songs. They we went into Evolution, Greg Raleigh, the primary vocalist, sharing it with Steve Perry uh, on, on a lot of the songs. Back into Departure, which had the big hit, Any Way You Want It. Dream After Dream, I believe, was only released in Japan. I don't think it was ever released here in the United States. Then they had their live album, which was Captured. And then the big album. The big album that really set the tone for them and brought them into superstar status, which was the album Escape, which featured one of the biggest songs in rock history, Don't Stop Believin', Open Arms, and Stone in Love, which was a great track. And then in the frontiers, raised on radio, Steve Perry left. The band really didn't release any material until Trial by Fire. And they've gone through a couple different vocalists since then. They have Arna- Arnell Panetta, who is now the vocalist right now. They've gone through a lot of changes. But we're going to reflect on Journey and who this band was, who this band is. Because they're an important part of rock and roll history. Yes, there are a lot of... There are a lot of radio friendly hits in Journey's catalog, but you cannot deny these songs are one are some of the most well-written songs in rock history. And it really starts with lights on infinity. If there is a song that captures the Bay Area, it's that song. I, I don't know of any other song that really distinguishes itself as describing what that is. Of course, Wheel in the Sky was a big hit. Love and Touch and Squeezing was a big hit. Feeling that way anytime, which you cannot play separate. You have to play them together. Probably my two favorite songs by the band. Now, Sonny grew up in the Bay Area. We've had him on before talking about Y&T, who's from Oakland, and the impact the Bay Area had on rock music. When you think of Journey growing up in that area, what are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I was born in the Midwest. So we moved there in 1980. So that puts me I'm about to turn 11. Um, you know, I don't mean it to be a pun, but literally you could not escape Journey. Like it was every radio station, every news station, you know, there anytime you open up the paper of who's playing around, there's it's Journey, Journey. You would think Journey's the number one band of the world. They're the number one band of the music scene. Nothing else exists because by the time that I'm getting into music, Escape is huge and they've already released Frontiers, right? So you heard it no matter what type of radio station you were playing. And then you hear it at all the ball games and then you hear it at school. And then all you see is the t-shirts. And so you don't really have a choice, but to be a journey fan. And for me, like Steve Perry is one of the best singers ever in music So you, and I'm a big pop fan. So they just checked all the boxes. So I was a huge journey fan right out of the gate. Um, I think, you know, and we'll talk about it a little bit. They missed a big chunk of what their career could have probably been bigger than it is now. I think it's a dictionary definition, a story made for movies about Neil Sean getting what he wanted wishing he had something, probably a little bit sorry he asked for it, <laughs> and then kind of came back to reality, right? It's it's one of those, God, we're working so hard. Can we at least sell something? And then you change a little bit, and you get exactly what you want, and then you lose all the power, <laughs> and then you have to get it back somehow. It's it's a little bit of a crazy story, but uh, when you're living in the Bay, man, journey is all anybody talks
0: about because I'm you know, start they're, a- they're mass appeal, right? So. I'm gonna start off with a statement that I don't know if a lot of rock fans will agree with me. But when you think of the early 80s, and it really starts with Any Way You Want It on Departure, which was a massive hit. It was in Caddyshack. That's another thing we, you know that Journey did was a lot of soundtracks and had a lot had a big presence in movies. But without the popularity of Journey, Rock does not move forward in the way that it does being on the radio. Say what you want about Journey in their pop sense. They were still rock. They were still considered hard rock, right? And because of Journey, because of songs like Any Way You Want It, Don't Stop Believing, Open Arms, which is probably the first power ballad. And... Stone not in love keep on running all those songs from escape i don't think you see the popularity that happened on the back end of the 80s from like 83 84 and on because it gave people reason to crave rock music it gave people reason to accept rock music and let's face it they were a big band and they were touring with bands like van halen and they were touring with other bands, too, at the time. They were doing festivals and they were doing all stuff. They were, the, they were the main draw. Them and Van Halen were pretty much the main draw from, like, 1980 to 83. And without those bands, people talk about the influence Van Halen had on hard rock and and heavy metal. It's undeniable. But people forget the impact that Journey had. And Journey was once considered by a lot of publications. Heavy metal. See what you want, looking back now and being able to reflect on that. Obviously, you wouldn't put them in that category now. But at some point, Cream Magazine, Hit Parader, Circus Magazines were all on the journey train and they were called either hard rock or heavy metal. I don't think genres were as defined as they are now, but that was what it was. And I don't think Def Leppard, Motley Crue, Rat. Any of those bands have the popularity that they have without Van Halen and without Journey. Yeah, I
1: think what happens is they're around when disco's around, and they're around when rock is kind of taken over, and they go from lights to separate ways and make it all sound good with a plugged-in guitar, so there's no reason to hate on Journey. I would say that there's not a lot of bands that connect generations, right? So we always kind of talk about on Grown Up Rock, the generations to us are like four years. It's like the high school years, right? So if you grew up from 78 to 82 or 82 to 86 or, well, 87, 90, Journey's kind of out of the fold at that point. So anything happening between like 78 and 85 journey's kind of the main constant going on so is van halen there's absolutely no doubt so when you get to the well i like bad english well so and so likes iron maiden well so and so likes i don't know uh pick a band uh scorpions what's the what's the crazy well uh, scorpions is at least somewhat there but like megadeth right. or anthrax or you know i like some of the british heavy metal guys like anvil or blah 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 you you say van halen People can agree on that. You say Journey, people can agree on that. A lot of those people agree on Kiss, right? There's just certain bands that kind of span the generations, but these guys were doing it on the charts. And Van Halen had a little bit of chart success, but not like this. Although Journey's never had a number one hit, but they were on the charts enough, and man, that voice. The voice, I think brought in women, brought in your girlfriend. Like you could listen to rock and your girlfriend appreciate what's going on because
0: it's journey and she's willing to give it a chance. So I think the voice was important. Steve Perry's voice is one of the most recognizable voices in rock history. The moment he sings a note, you know it's him. But I also believe that equal parts. I think without Neil, even with Stephen Perry, Perry, They don't do what they did. I think Neil's guitar and the way he plays is just as important as, as Steve Perry's voice and the songs are so strong, right? I mean, you had a, a a writing team of Neil and Steve and Jonathan Kane that through escape and frontiers, they were writing songs, like you said, separate ways faithfully, Open Arms, Don't Stop Believing, all these recognizable songs that now when you listen to them, they take you back to where you were at that moment. They are time machines, literal time machines that once you listen to it, you go back. I can't listen to Stone in Love without thinking of Backyard Parties when I was younger. I just can't because it had such an impact. But the band has an interesting journey, no pun intended in that they started out, like I mentioned, in the first part of the show, that they started out as a proggy fusion band, instrumental, uh, very little vocals, and then they went into the album Next. And those albums are kind of forgotten in the journey history. Uh, They didn't really produce any hits. They didn't really produce anything magical as later on in their career. They're great albums, but they're very they're very niche related, right? You know, band or or fans that listen to Escape and 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 Frontiers are not going to go listen to those first three albums. They're just not because it's just it's like two different bands. They kept the name, which you know today, who knows if that would have happened? Who knows if the record company would have said no? You got to change your name because people identify. With you, you know, as this type of band. There was no social media back then. So they got away with it. And then comes the album Infinity, which I mentioned. Infinity is my favorite journey album. And, you know, when you begin the album with lights and then to feel in that way at any time, uh, La Duda is a great song, as patiently is. But the big number off that, Originally, I think Lights has kind of surpassed it, but Wheel in the Sky was a very recognizable song when that released. And still to this day, it's very recognizable.
1: Yeah, I think, uh, well, Wheel in the Sky was written by Fleischman, right? And you heard the Fleischman, I was about to say cover, but I should say version. Uh, It's very different. I I love Wheel in the Sky. Lights is an interesting story to me. Uh, and, you know, I don't know if this is a real story or not. I just know how I would feel. If I'm Greg Rowley, the minute Lights gets sang in any kind of demo form, I just see, oh my God, my singing career is absolutely over because this guy <laughs> blows me away in every way. And I get it. Greg has talent. There's absolutely no doubt about that. And he's sang some hits also. But man, when you get somebody that's at the level that Steve Perry is, you got to be shaking in your shoes a little bit. You got to be, okay, maybe I got to move on because I don't think I'm going to be able to be the singer of this band. And they brought Steve in to be more mass appeal and man, right out of the gates on affinity, lights is amazing. Today, you couldn't even open with a song like that because you
0: can't open with a ballad. People wouldn't take it seriously. And the guitar work, Neil's guitar work on that song is so recognizable, right? I mean, that really is, in my opinion, the way that album starts off with lights, that introduced the world to Neil's tone and sound because it's so definable. And no one plays like that. No one can play that beautiful melody and go into this ripping guitar solo back into a beautiful melody. He does it really. He does. All, he does it all on that song. And I know it's "Don't Stop Believing" gets a lot of the credit, or a lot, a lot of the um, way people recognize the band. But "Lights," I think, is just as much of a recognizable song as "Don't Stop Believing" is, especially on the West Coast. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. And with with me on Neil Sean, I think people have that sense of melody that he has. I think people can rip, obviously. There's tons of guitar gods out there. There's few that can fit it within the song and are willing to back off and do what's right to make that song great versus like Mom's it up, right? I love George Lynch, but can you can you imagine Lynch trying to do Something like Lights, I just can't I can't imagine that he can tame down the crunch enough to not be the focal point of the song. And that's nothing bad about George Lynch. It's just a matter of he's not the same type of guitar player. And you have to have, I think, somebody who has a little bit of that jazz fusion background that knows when to accent what they're supposed to accent and comes from that background. And I think that's that does Neil a lot of good.
0: Into feeling that way at any time. There's always two songs that come up in rock history. You think of Detroit Rock City and King of the Nighttime World. You think of a lot of other songs, um, Heartbreaker and Live and Love and Made by Led Zeppelin. And you have to include Feeling That Way and Anytime by Journey. I, I love these two tracks because I love the play between Greg and Steve on this these two songs. I love the way they both go together. I love the way they build into, and, they, and they kind of play off of each other. I, these two songs have a soft spot in my heart. I'm, it's kind of disappointing that not a lot of people recognize these songs, you know, who are casual music fans, you know, the hardcore Journey fans, of course, but both fantastic tunes. And it really, again, helps set apart Infinity from a lot of other records that were going on at that time. Yeah, and they were
1: carving their own path a little bit, right? Um I would say, you know, I came in at Escape and Frontiers. So when I went backwards, out of Departure, Evolution, and Infinity, there's no doubt I like Infinity best, right out of those three, for sure. I like Escape and Frontiers a little bit more just because Frontiers had that rock element, and that's what kind of attracted me immediately to Journey. And that's what I was hearing as I was getting on MTV, and kind of seeing the videos of the, you know, piano, the the fake piano playing and whatever you want to call it, but uh, <laughs> um, they wrote some great songs. There's just, I just, uh, I don't know how else to say it. I, I think they missed, they missed a boat with MTV. They I, I wish they could have got along because, oh, my God, I mean, think about it. Any band that you know of that's not named Journey, that was not around between 87 and 95, they're not. They're dead. They're playing clubs. They're nobodies, right? And they've made some great music, I'm sure, but nobody's heard of them, and they don't play really anymore. And you got this band that was having hit after hit after hit after hit disappear when everybody is making money, and come back and they're just as big as ever. It's amazing to me. But that's you know that's great songs right out of the gate.
0: Yeah, and like you said, you know, great songs right out of the gate. They. Whatever they were doing, people talk about the great stuff on Escape and Frontiers, but their songwriting, even before, yeah. I mean, the point is, or the or the, the greatest example is, Lights, Wheel in the Sky, these songs, Patiently, a, a great song, you know, Anytime and Feeling That Way. And then, you know, one of the greatest deep tracks in their catalog, Winds of March, which is absolutely phenomenal. and the, And they were writing great songs prior to Escape. That's what people, I think... Don't appreciate about the band is that they they were firing all Similars well before Jonathan Kane got in the band. Although he enhanced the music and enhanced the singles that they released, they were writing some really really good stuff. And then when you go into Evolution, which I absolutely love, you've got Love Touch and Squeezing, you've got City of the Angels, which which is just a great song, sweet and simple. Love that tune. Loving you is easy, just the same way, which was which was great. Lady Luck ends the album. I don't think Evolution is as good as Infinity, but it's still a great album. Yeah, and I think you
1: know Mutt gets a lot of credit for Def Leppard's backing vocals. Uh, you might want to go back and listen to Infinity and Evolution. Departure, the backing vocals, big backing vocals were already in rock albums. We know it was there with yeah. Queen, but these guys were doing it with not just studio tricks right here. We got singers and they're all going to be on stage and they're all going to do it. Um, And that's what kind of, you know, when it comes to some of these songs that you're talking about, like you got gooey choruses, you got big backing vocals, you got an incredible lead vocal. You got this great guitar. Like it's everything. It checks all the boxes for somebody that was listening to music. Like I was in the mid eighties that loved all the stuff that charted. It already existed. It was there six, seven years earlier. There's just no MTV to play it on, basically.
0: Very true. Very true. I I like your point about if Journey was just maybe two years later, how big they would have been in MTV. Oh, my God. Yeah,
1: yeah. I'm telling you, Frontiers and Raised on Radio are both diamond albums, too. They could have. I mean, when you look at Journey's greatest hits and that album they released in 88, those 15 tracks it could be the, one of the best greatest hits ever released. I love all 15 songs. It's very rare that I pick up a greatest hits compilation
0: by anybody and love every song on it. Well, that greatest hits compilation is one of the most sold albums of all time. Yeah, it's I think, it's like, too. I think it's like a gazillion <laughs> platinum at this point. <laughs> yeah. It really is. I mean, and it doesn't get the notoriety as maybe like a Hotel California or a Back in right. Black. Because those are all those are not compilations. But everyone you know has Journey's greatest hits. Like At least everybody on the West you Coast, know they do. has that album. <laughs> oh yeah. Every every female you know has that album. Every one of them. Yeah. You know? And it's just a testament to the songs they wrote. I think they only had a handful of songs from this period that we're talking about now, the Infinity Evolution Departure Era. But, you know, it's hard to squeeze all those, you know, more songs onto what is already an awesome compilation.
1: Yeah, and you weren't going to release a compilation in 88 and get a bunch of Greg Rowley songs. Like, Steve Perrick wasn't going to allow that. (laughs) No. That wasn't happening no matter what.
0: Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. You know, going into Departure, which is right before the big explosion for them, you know, you had the movie Caddyshack and the song Any Way You Want It, which is a classic scene in that movie. And they were really the first rock band to really do that. And we'll get into it when we talk about Frontiers, but I almost feel like they did it too much. Because as we talk about Frontiers, there's some songs that could have made it onto Frontiers that I think would have elevated it in the same conversation as Escape, but they, they sent them out to, to different movies and they had, on, they had the songs in different soundtracks. But Any Way You Want, it was really the first rock song, original rock song by a band that you knew that was in a movie. Because a lot of times during that period, they would have rock songs by bands. Who are these guys? You know, They were studio musicians put together. Or they were, you know, AOR bands to to, uh, to to write for these soundtracks. They were not thriving rock bands like Journey was. But anyway, you wanted a great track as "Walks Like a Lady," which was good. And someday soon, um, "Where Were You?" I absolutely love, and "Stay a While," which is just a great song. So three albums going into Escape, they had already established themselves as a thriving rock band. They were not superstars at that point, but they were writing really, really good songs. Yeah, and they were on the cusp
1: of superstardom, right? Because a lot of the stuff you saw on MTV was videos from the Captured live release, which is a lot of the songs that come not only off of Escape, but the prior, these three prior albums. So right. they're definitely – now, all these three albums are triple platinum. Some of that probably happened after the fact. Right, because people are going back and getting some of the older albums, but uh, yeah, they're all over. uh, They're all all over the states for sure. I don't know if they're worldwide yet. I think Escape puts them over the top there, for sure.
0: Yeah, and I don't think, in my opinion, without the success of Any Way You Want It, I don't know if Escape is as big without that kind of prep for the fans. Because I remember Any Way You Want It being very popular, you know. Um obviously it was before I got into the band, but when you look back on how popular it was with Caddyshack, I think it really set the stage and set up the infrastructure for what was a, what was about to come. Obviously, there was a big change in between Departure and Escape. Greg Raleigh left the band. Steve Smith, you know, is now the drummer. Was Steve Smith on departure? I'm trying to remember if he was or not. Uh oh, sure. He was. He was on he was on departure. So that classic lineup minus Jonathan Kane had made departure. And I think Greg Riley at that time kind of saw the writing on the wall where, you know, he, he was really not maybe into doing what the band was doing or the direction they were going to go into. He knew the focal point was always going to be on Steve Perry because of his voice. And I felt, or he felt that his time, you know, had come to leave the band. Was that the right decision? I mean, he, he says yes in a lot of interviews. I I love what he brought to the band. But with Jonathan Kane being another songwriter with that pop sense coming from the babies with John Waite, you know, who knows if those songs are made the same way, like Don't Stop Believing or Stone in Love with Jonathan Cain or with Greg Raleigh versus Jonathan Kane and you know i tell the story all the time about escape being really my introduction to rock and roll because of my grandfather playing the piano and my brother bringing home escape borrowing it from one of his friends and putting it on the turntable in the living room and hearing that piano intro my ears perked up i'm like oh i know that instrument because of my grandfather and that was my introduction really into into journey um, full force because my brother was into them. Everybody was into Journey when Escape came out. I mean, for Christ's sakes, they had a, they had a, an album or I'm sorry. They had a video game after the album. I mean, they were big time. They were huge. Yeah. And you,
1: if the band is going to start out as a jazz fusion prog type band, and then you're going to turn into this pop band, with rock pieces to it. You're just not going to get everybody on board, right? Neil's on board because, well, he wants to be somebody and he wants to make money doing what he's doing. I'm sure he doesn't want to work at McDonald's the rest of his life or whatever. Right? So he wants to make money and you're starting to write songs that are starting to be hits and get some notoriety. And then you know how the album companies are they go, well, you got to write another one of those. You got to write another one of those. And I'm sure guys like Raleigh who are, excellent musicians they're like really we're going to do the same stuff that some of these other guys are doing now like we used to be this and now we're going to be this his career didn't exactly take off after that either i think he got kind of stuck in his own ways and he did a bunch of stuff but he didn't really uh sell much that's for sure
0: yeah he did the band the storm i think in the mid 80s that was later yeah and that's yeah. good stuff but it only lasted very good months. stuff yeah yeah I also think too you know in, in in regards to Neil you know this is his band right and he's put the blood sweat and tears for years I think you're right I think he saw guitarists like Eddie van Halen and some of the others who were around and I, although I believe his work on those three albums infinity evolution and departure is monster guitar albums or you're great. You know, not everything has to be shredding. And sometimes the art of simplicity, like you said before, and having air between the notes and letting the guitar speak, there's something to be said about that. And I think his playing on those three albums is phenomenal. As we go into Escape, Greg Riley leaves, Jonathan Kane comes in, they start writing songs. They have the big hit with Open Arms. People forget that at that time, Open Arms, I think, was a top 10 hit. And it was bigger than Don't Stop Believing. You wouldn't know that now, but at that time, every girl listened to Open Arms and every guy listened to it because they wanted to be cool to the chicks, right? Stone and Love has that summer feel to it. Keep on Running is an absolute banger. Some of the other stuff that is on that album that people don't really talk about songs like lay it down dead or alive mother or father escape the title track monster guitar souls, monster songs. Who's crying now was a big hit for them too. Still they ride was kind of that, that end of side one that just told a story as the don't stop believing. And of course it, it ends on open arms. Uh, but those songs, that don't get enough credit that are considered deep cuts are just huge, strong songs that, unfortunately, when you, when you talk to, you know, a casual journey fan, they don't know mother, father, you know, they don't know dead or alive, lay it down, lay it down. Oh my God. You know, like the, the, the play between Steve and Neil on that is just fantastic. So they really did keep a hard edge on that second side of that album outside of Open Arms. The hits like Who's Crying Now and Stone in Love and Don't Stop Believing started that album, Still They Ride, was a mild hit too as well. And Keep On Running was just that, that taste of what was to come on the second side. But, man, Escape was just gigantic, and this made them international superstars.
1: And it finally went diamond. Right. But think about it. Escape comes out in 81. If Escape comes out in 83, MTV makes this thing triple diamond. Right. This thing is beyond huge. And they wrote this album for a while. I'm just so surprised they don't have a number one hit. Open Arms died off at number two. It couldn't beat out, believe it or not, centerfold. And I love rock and roll. That was the two songs that couldn't beat out. It was number two with I Love Rock and Roll, and then Centerfold took over. It was Vice Versa, and I'm like, good Lord. I like all three of those songs, but they don't touch open arms. Like, <laughs> so it's hard to believe they don't have a number one hit, but uh, to do it the way they did it with a slow burn, they changed their sound. Like you're talking, this is now sixth, seventh year in. This is old school. How you built a band that literally is going to last forever, basically, right? Yeah. So somehow these guys, you know, not going to live forever, but somehow it's going to last forever. And uh, it worked. It it could have been even bigger, but the timing is what the timing is. I don't know how to get past that. Yeah. But you, know what I you mean, tell me "Open Arms" wouldn't have been a number one hit in 1987?
0: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. You're right. It's, it's still a huge album, but it would have been huger yeah. if, if it was released just two years later, you know, if it was released right before that home sweet home era or, yeah, yeah. you know, the during that pyromania era, cause yeah. it still has that edge. You know, they talk about who's crying now and don't stop believing in open arms, but man, that second side has an edge to it. And the guitar playing by Neil on that, on those songs. That are rarely talked about on fire, absolutely killing it, killing it and that's the risk you take
1: because um, you can get forgotten when the song is pop and rock riding right the line and you got this singer <laughs> that is singer is singing better than most right you can get forgotten in the process I mean would really anybody know who jonathan kane is if it wasn't for basically wikipedia like
0: i don't know yeah i mean would these well that's a fair question would would jonathan kane be a known name without neil and steve
1: yeah probably not
0: you know that's a good point because even though he had a hand in some of those songs um you know the two faces of the band at that time were steve and neil Onto Frontiers, an album that was highly anticipated when it came out. The first track was the first single, Separate Ways, which brought those edgy elements of that second side of Escape, really mixed it with the keyboard. That keyboard melody is probably one of the most, outside of Jump in 1984, Jump in Separate Ways in my opinion, are probably the two most recognizable keyboard melodies or keyboard intros in rock history. I'm not talking about the organ. I'm not talking about Deep Purple or any of those bands. I'm talking keyboards. Tell me another recognizable song besides Separate Ways and Jump that come out in that era that are bigger than those two in terms of melodies, recognizable melodies.
1: Yeah, in rock it's Yeah, it's not going to be there. I'm sure there was some stuff in the pop genre because there was a lot of synth going on at the time. But I think what also makes it so recognizable is the tone of the actual keyboard because you don't have the Hammond or you don't have the honky-tonk or it's not something that you've really heard a lot before. And then, you know, yeah, you add the melody to it. And man, I, I can the minute I hear the first note of separate ways, I can tell what it is. like there's just it's been ingrained in me though too, so that might, that might be a difference.
0: <laughs> you move on to sender my Love, which was a, which was a big single for them. It's kind of in the same realm as who's crying now. And then into the song Chain Reaction, which was a single, which a very underrated track in their in their catalog. After the fall, a great song, and then the huge ballad again, Faithfully, which I like better than open arms. I look at the guitar solo on Faithfully and the way Perry's vocals come in on you know after that guitar solo. It's it's magic. It is absolute magic. And of course, you know, Jonathan Kane, let's let's be honest with that, writes that recognizable intro to separate ways. Writes the piano melody for Faithfully, writes that piano melody for Open Arms and Don't Stop Believing. I mean, I, I don't know if Craig Rowley could have done that. I, 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 I would be hard pressed to think that he could.
1: Yeah. And just like you said before, who knows if Kane could have done it with somebody else, mm-hmm. right? So you're doing something, you're like, I think the melody should be here. Now you got to get a guy or gal that can actually do that. And if you don't have somebody that can do that, which I love John Waite, John, Waite can't do that. So you don't get the same song.
0: Yeah. Great point. After edge of the blade on side two, the album really lacks that magic that the second side of escape does. And there are four songs that were recorded during this session that either one didn't make the album, or they were put on soundtracks, like we had talked about with Any Way You Want It. In my opinion, if Only the Young, Ask the Lonely, Liberty, and Only Solutions are the four songs after Edge of the Blade, this album is bigger than Escape. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Those four songs, when you, look, when you listen to... Only the young, and ask the lonely on the greatest hits compilation, right? Those are fantastic songs. There was are great songs. They were put only only uh, only the young was put on the Vision Quest soundtrack, and ask the lonely I think was two of a kind. The movie with the forgettable movie with John Travolta and Livy Newton John, and then only solutions was on the soundtrack for Tron, and Liberty was just not put on the album. Those four songs. Those four songs replace Trouble Child, Backtalk, Frontiers and Rubicon. It's 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 just as big as Escape.
1: And I'm not sure why they didn't do both. There was plenty know. of bands and artists doing both. Right Pat Benatar gave a song
0: to whatever that movie was, it was huge. She put it on the next album. It's yeah. not that hard to do. I don't know why they did that. I I mean probably it was a management you know, company coming in and telling them they need to do that. But like you said, why not still keep those songs on the album? Because they were, they're great songs. They're great songs. And I think that's one of the reasons why Frontier's great album never reached that, that equal status as escape. And I think if those four songs were on Frontier's, it would have catapulted past escape. I mean, a one-two punch of escape being so big and then Frontier just being even bigger. And I think because of those songs, you've got the three singles or four singles that they released, Separate Ways, Center My Love, Chain Reaction, and Faithfully, right? And we think back, we fast forward a few years later with Hysteria, where they had six or seven singles on it. This could have been that album, That had six singles on it, seven singles, because you could have released only The Young and you could have released Ask the Lonely as a single. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And if it's a issue with, well, Sony gave the rights to Vision Quest and Vision Quest wasn't on Sony. Well, they got it back in 88 somehow because they put it on The Greatest Hits. So obviously that wasn't the problem.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why. Missed opportunity. Yeah. Really Ranger, is. Ranger. Really really is because I think also if you would have had those songs on frontiers and you would have been able to release two more singles from that album, you would have been able to tour on it forever, okay? Yeah. And I think the next album, which turned out to be raised on radio, sounds more like frontiers than it did when it was released. I think because of, it, it well, hypothetically, if if Journey does have those four songs and it's gigantic as we think it would be or think it would have been, I don't know if they're so inclined to really give the keys to Steve Perry for Raised on Radio, you know, and get rid of Steve Smith and Ross Valerie and replace them with whoever, Randy Jackson and who was the drummer? I don't remember who they replaced them with the drummer, but... um Yeah, I I just think that that album, because there's a three-year period in between Frontiers and Raised on Radio, and they come back, and there's good songs on it. You know, Girl Can't Help It is a great song. Suzanne is a very underrated track. Be Good to Yourself is pretty much an anthem. Um, I'll Be All Right Without You, great, uh, great guitar solo by Neil on that, and Why Can't This Night Go On Forever, which they were trying to capture the essence of faithfully and open arms, but they didn't, they didn't. And a lot was going on too with music. Let's not forget the landscape had changed dramatically, but when we go back to the impact of what could have been with frontiers, instead of journey following or, or trying to find its place in the landscape in 1986, If that album was as huge or bigger than Escape, Journey is writing the landscape. They're writing where rock music is going at that time. And again, you know, Frontiers, great album, but it just impacted so much after that.
1: Yeah, and I think you know you also got to remember there's a Steve Perry solo album in the middle of this that's having very true, right? Very true, and I I think. We don't know this for sure. It depends on who you believe. These guys haven't written a lot of books. I don't know if that would all be accurate anyway. I think what's happening is 83 comes. The album's doing well. They've given a few things to movies. That stuff's doing well. And there is infighting going on. And there's a power struggle going on. Neil started it by going and starting doing solo stuff. And then Steve goes and does solo stuff. And Neil gets upset that there are two Journey-like songs. Okay, what exactly is Steve supposed to do? He can't sound like somebody different. Like, you can go play jazz or electronica if you want to. What's he supposed to do? Change his voice and be Cookie Monster now? Like, he is going to be who he is. So he has those two huge hits that technically should have been Journey songs on
0: an album. Well, you mentioned, you said something really interesting. You know, this is Neil's band and i think seeing neil seeing steve's success with street talk when you've put so much time into journey and you've come up from the ashes basically come from nowhere and now have these gigantic albums and these recognizable songs and your life is completely different think about the album was released. Frontiers was was released in eighty three. Escape was released in eighty one. Their first album was seventy three. Their first album with with Steve was Infinity, which I believe was seventy eight. Okay, so just three years after that, they're 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 washing money basically. They're 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 yeah. they're printing money basically, you know. I mean, it's like there's money coming in and, you know, Neil has a different perspective because he started it. You know, this was his band and Steve wanted to get control. And I actually think that Street Talk was Steve's way of grabbing power in Journey because Street Talk had two, they had a number one song, wasn't O'Sherry a number one song?
1: I don't know if it was number one, but it did really well.
0: Yeah, and so did Foolish Heart. Yep. So by Steve doing that, Steve now has the upper hand in terms of leverage because Escape and Faithfully were monster albums, and now his solo album has done way better than any other member of Journeys, you know, projects or solo albums. But what they're doing, and Steve comes in and says, "This is how I want the next album to sound." And the record label and the management company are on Steve's side because Steve's the proven he's he's the money maker, you know. Yeah. So but can,
1: can can you imagine how Neil's like put yourself in Neil's shoes, right? So you go out, and you start, you know, you get together with the Hagar and those guys and put out this HSAS sounds really nothing like Journey. They're doing a little more gritty or gritty rock. Probably sounds more Hagar than it does anything else. And you turn on the radio. Where the hell does Sherry come from? It's like, who, wait a second, is that Steve? And then it ended up being a number three hit. It didn't get to number one. But I could just imagine his insides like, who the hell wrote that song? Where did that song come from? Did Jonathan help you with that? Could you imagine, like, the initial reactions to what he's hearing? And he sees this video and he's just like, oh, come on. That's supposed to be a Journey song. What are you guys doing? So but, I, I but, can imagine,
0: but that really set the tone for the next album because oh yeah, absolutely. you've got this huge album by Steve Perry. Management, record label, whoever is looking at Steve Perry is like, this is the guy that is the band because of all the success. And yeah, like you said, you know Neil's got to be pissed because this is Neil's band. This is what I mean. He already sacrificed some stuff too, going from away from Greg Raleigh you know, with the sound with open arms. I mean, back in 78, when they were making Infinity or back when they were, you know, a, a proggy band, a prog band, they're, they're not thinking of writing a song like Open Arms. They're not thinking no. of writing a song like Don't Stop Believing. No way is even that even on Neil's radar. And I still think that's why Neil now goes out and does these projects ever since then, like his solo stuff, which is absolutely incredible. I, I remember hearing Late Night, which I think was his first solo stuff, There's a lot of instrumentals on there. He sings on there. Absolutely phenomenal. And then, of course, Hardline, that debut album by Hardline is fantastic. Soul Circus with Jeff Scott Soto. It's absolutely fantastic. He's done done some solo stuff with Dean and Marco as well. But I think that's why Neil does that, because he's got all this creativity inside of him that he needs that outlet to do stuff that he wants to play. You know, and he doesn't want it to affect the journey sound. So yeah, a lot of infighting going into Raised on Radio. The band did not last after Raised on radio, after the tour. They went radio silence, they broke up, which, like you said, and you know, when all these other bands are making huge money, Journey obviously I'm sure they made a lot of money because of the compilation, greatest hits. But but still, if they were a viable recording act, because Steve Perry really didn't do much. After that, right? I mean, Steve Perry didn't do much. Um, Neil and Jonathan went on to form Bad English with John Waite and Ricky Phillips and Dean Castronova, which that album, Dean Dean's playing on that album is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, and then people also don't realize that Jonathan Kane and Neil Sean also played on the Michael Bolton album, The Hungry or The Hunger. So they play, I think, on the cover of Sitting on the Dock of the Bay. I think they play on two or three songs on that, but they really weren't doing much out in bad. English had a lot of success with when I see you smile and a few other records, their first record, I think it was more popular than anything that came after. And then they came back and did trial by fire. And we all know the story about that. They come out with this album. Everybody was craving it. Everybody wanted it. Fans were going crazy. And then Steve Perry doesn't want to tour because he has to get a hip replacement. And that pretty much ended Steve's career and journey. And the band decided to move on with Steve Algeri. After that, Jeff Scott Soto filled in on some dates for Steve. And now we have Arnel Pineda. Um, the band has gone over, gone through a lot of different changes since Trial by Fire. Ross Valerie and Steve Smith came back into the band. Now they're out of the band and depending on who you talk to, it was because of this. There's a lot of drama surrounding the band. Um, Although it's kind of died down over the last few years, but no one can dispute their impact on rock music. No one can dispute their importance in rock music. It's a very important band and you know, the maiden fans and the Metallica fans are not journey fans, but I still believe in one of my first statements made on this episode is without journey success, eighties rock as we know it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen without Van Halen and journey. It doesn't happen.
1: I think you ask the thrash fans and the grunge fans. Do you like any journey music? Not everybody may admit it, but I got a feeling more like it than not. They want to shit on it because it's not grunge, basically. That's it. Besides that, they own the record. They probably have greatest hits, right? Everybody uh, Brent, in the world. Everybody in the world has their greatest hits album. Yeah. We were talking about our favorite singers on podcast Rock City the other day, and I brought up Steve Perry, and Brent's like, eh, I don't, eh, I don't really like Journey. And I'm like, oh, you don't have any journey music in the house? So he goes, No, we got the greatest hits because my wife and daughter love that shit. It's here. I hear it all the time. It's just not something I go to choose to go to listen to. But you still hear it. It's still there. <laughs> right. So it's not okay. going anywhere. And the whole infighting and you know the problems they've had and the people coming and going and the suing and who owns what and who's in charge and come on, you can't be around 40, 45 years and not have that problem. Like that's gonna be there and you can't have the success they had in literally a short period of time, right? It came fast and then they kind of disappeared. Otherwise it lasts a hell of a long time. Um, And we've said the same thing really about like GNR. GNR can get their stuff together. They can release all these albums in the 90s and we would have all of this GNR music. Instead, they implode. And they're gone, right? So it happens over time. But I've seen them live several times. I've always enjoyed them, and they do a good job of going out with bills that keep them in arenas and keep them connected to similar fans like a Def Leppard. And they, you know, they're not going to be playing clubs. I think by the time they get to playing clubs, I
0: think Neil's done. I don't think. Well, he did bring that as a Journey Through Time project. Um, to a club in San Francisco with Marco and Dean Castronova, And there were a few other, I think Greg yeah. Riley was a part of it. I was hoping that that would, that would be something that would tour. Yeah. And I don't think it sold theaters. out. At,
1: yeah. It didn't sell out in San Francisco. If it doesn't sell out in San Francisco,
0: it's I not going it to sell did. out anywhere.
1: I thought I it, did. If it did. I don't know if it did.
0: I'm not sure though. Yeah. I just think that uh I I had heard that it did. So maybe you know maybe there's some there's some confusion on that but yeah. um, when you think of their legacy and you think of their importance like I said their legacy is in my opinion bringing rock music back to rock fans because it went away cuz of disco um There was a lot of bands trying to emulate disco, like Kiss and Queen at that time, and rock fans really didn't buy it. Uh, There was the surging new wave of British heavy metal that was happening in Europe at the time. But in Van Halen, of course, you know, the importance of Van Halen. But Van Halen, up until 1984, I don't think they had a, I don't think they had one or two top 40 singles, which I think one was a cover with Pretty Woman. And what was the other one? Was it, uh, and the cradle will rock. Yeah, probably. I think that was a, those were top 40. And then obviously the explosion of 1984, but again, because Neil and Eddie are great friends. Does Eddie want to do keyboards? If he doesn't hear separate ways and how big that is and escape. Does that, spark the creativity in Eddie because it's documented. Neil and Eddie are, are were great friends and you can even hear the change in Neil's playing after they toured with Van Halen, right? Neil became a lot edgier of a guitar player um, after that, that tour, I believe in 79 or 80 with Van Halen. So that's a, that's a really interesting question as to obviously, you know, Eddie's past will never, you know, know that answer, but separate ways comes out in 83, a beginning part of 83 and 1984 jump comes out at the end of 83, early 1984. So this jump happened is 1984 happened without separate ways.
1: Yeah. Who knows? Especially, I didn't know they were friends. Yeah. I think Eddie was obviously hearing synth and piano in all kinds of music. In 81, 82, because there's hits by Hall & Oates and all these other pop type bands that are using it, but nobody's really connected it to a plugged in guitar by a rock band, right? So if he's looking for, if he's tinkering with it, because I think there's stories that even during Creatures of the Night, he was showing Gene... Remember, there's this whole story about Gene was saying that Eddie was trying to join KISS and yeah, he yeah. was showing him this piano part. And Gene's like, why are you playing piano? You should be a guitar. Like, you're a guitar god. Stop playing piano. You know, that kind of thing. So obviously, Eddie was already tinkering, but probably couldn't figure out, like, how do I make this into a rock song? Because supposedly I'm this rock god and I can't not be. Then does separate ways put it over the top? I guess that's possible.
0: Yeah, it could be. Yeah. Neil is a very important musician in rock. Very important guitar player. I have a, he's in my top ten. His playing, not just in Journey, but his solo stuff, he's very diverse. Um, has plays a lot of different styles, very well. Excellent, as a matter of fact. And again, I, I just think that he, it's his band. That band saw a lot of changes from day one. Until even now. Uh, yeah. I think Neil has proven to be the face of Journey through these years. Because he's still going strong. He's still part of the band. Steve, obviously, is the recognizable part of Journey. Steve Perry. And Jonathan Kane had a big part in getting them to their level of superstar. The band is a recognizable sound or has a recognizable sound. And again, people forget how big and gigantic they were. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Also it's okay. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say it's, you know, Roth and Eddie Van Halen probably are the closest to equal recognizable in a band, but it's very tough not to have, the front person or the singer not be the recognizable person in the band because that's the person you hear, Mm -hmm. right? So it's tough not to be that way, but I, you know, I'm sure Neil had plenty of chances between 96 and Arnell coming to get Perry back. If he really wanted it, I'm sure he would have had to give in a bunch In reality, it's like, do we need it? No, we don't need it. I think he figured out he was a legacy act in 2000. I think he figured out he could do the songs that he'd already written for the next 40 years if he wanted to, but I can write new songs when I feel like it, and I don't have to do it with the guy that I was connected to.
0: So we did. I think there was a thought a handful of years ago of potentially reuniting again. Yeah, And I just think that there's too much bad blood or there's too much animosity between everyone for that to happen. I don't think it'd be healthy for anybody if that tour came to be, I just don't, I just don't see it. Um, the other thing that we can't leave out with journey is the importance of song placement in one of the biggest TV shows in history, the end of the Sopranos series on HBO. And how sports teams embraced the song "Don't Stop Believing," because, like I said, "Open Arms" was a way bigger song at the time than "Don't Stop Believing." And I think those two things—the Sopranos, the White Sox, and any other sports team that got a hold of "Don't Stop Believing" and made it their championship run song—hearing uh, it at stadiums now, when a, when it when the home team's down. By a touchdown or down by a couple runs. Again, I think that that brings that song home to a lot of people and keeps pushing that journey legacy forward. Yeah. And that's just
1: incredible songwriting, right? You hit on a We Will Rock You, a Don't Stop Believing, uh, you know, anything that's going to get people chanting at a sporting event those songs will last forever. But I will tell you the other thing that I think Journey's done really well. And this is, again, Neil Sean balancing what he feels is right and not completely whitewashing or just making it so predictable and everywhere that nobody cares. And that is, when can I get involved? Where do my songs fit in? Okay, Sopranos want to use it. All right, that's a generation. Glee wants to use it. Okay, that's a generation, right? Like being smart about, no, not everybody can have carte blanche. You're going to have to come here and you're going to have to ask me. But I'm not turned off to it all. I'm not just going to say no because that's a sellout, right? He's smart enough to know, hey, if I want to stay out there, one of the ways to stay out there is you got to continue to be out there in pop culture. There's not another way. This is how bands exist. This is how Hendrix is still selling albums. Hendrix has been dead for 41 years, and he's still selling albums, right? Somebody's keeping it in pop culture. So I think he's smart enough to go, you know what? There is a time and place to be a part of the new generation. Glee used don't stop believing, faithfully, any way you want it, love and touch and squeezing. it was in a bunch. That's how my kids, I remember listening to Journey in, in, in the car one day. And my kids were all born in the 2000s. And I remember my youngest going, oh, I know that song. She starts singing along. And I'm like, how do you know faithfully? She goes, it's in Glee, Dad. Like, what? What the hell is Glee?
0: <laughs> so it's, 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 you're right. It's smart. Bands have to do that. Look at Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin, you have to tell Led Zeppelin where you're going to place the song. How long you're gonna play the song, and you have to send them everything, and all three of those guys get in a room and they watch it and they either give you a thumbs up or a thumbs down, and you got to pay through the nose too, yeah, to yeah. use Zeppelin one of the bands that doesn't do it anymore and maybe that'll change now, I don't know, but Van Halen is i mean outside of the stuff that was done in the eighties um with Van Halen being in in movies. They don't do commercials. They don't do any of that stuff. And, you know, at some point, if they want to keep their legacy, if they want to maintain their legacy, they're going to have to do that.
1: Yeah, I'm surprised that the Prince Estate hasn't like started selling albums to every movie and commercial that they could think of Um, because they, you know, they've got the rights to it. I guess they could do it if they want to. Mm -hmm. But you're right. I you know I still walk into a mall and Damn Jump is playing on Muzak or whatever, but there will be a point in time where that doesn't happen anymore if you don't kind of stay close to it. And these songs are going to be started ha- to be handed down to the generations and hopefully the generations don't forget some of these songs. But I think you would agree with this. I think there's many people in the music industry agree with this. You're not going to have a repeat of the 80s. And some of these classic songs that are from the 80s will live forever yeah. because I just don't see that kind of gooey songs that were fun coming back anytime soon.
0: You know, it's hard to pick a recognizable song for the band. You could say Don't Stop Believing," you could say Lights, you could say Separate Ways, you could say a whole bunch of songs, and that's because they wrote some really good damn songs. You know, some damn good songs. Always Um, comes down to the songs. Yep. Any other thoughts on Journey before we close it up? No,
1: I think, you know, it's it's not a top 10 band for me. It it would be in my top 20. It's not in my top 10. Um, Those first three albums are really tough listen for me. Like, you know, there's, but Scorpions is that way. Priest is that way. There's just certain bands that like the first two, three albums, I don't know if their sound doesn't hit my ear yet or they haven't gone to Mass Appeal, and that's when you get me. I don't know. Um, but it really starts with infinity with me. But, uh, you know, like I said, I've seen it with Perry. They were amazing. I've seen it with Audrey twice. They are amazing. I saw them with Soto twice. They are amazing. The Soto one was – one of the Soto shows was my first official meet-and-greet, too, ever. Um, I've seen them with Arnell. They're amazing. And, you know, I think Neil's doing a good job of – representing the songs well still. And I think we got bands out there that wrote some great songs that maybe are not representing the songs well anymore. But bands like Foreigner and Journey are doing that and I think that's great.
0: Yeah. I think so too. I think they're a hit machine, uh, a great legacy band and one of the greatest rock bands of all time. As far as, you know, being in my top 10, top 20, they are they've had a huge impact in my life. Cause that was really the first rock band that I was introduced to. So they always do have a soft spot in my heart because what it means to my journey in rock and roll. And uh, yeah, just fantastic songs. Like you said, man.
1: And all started because
0: of Santana. Yes. Yes. Very true. Very true. All right, everybody. Carlos is,
1: Carlos is like Gene Simmons. He wants
0: credit for everything. That's I'm gonna leave that in there. <laughs> All right, everybody. That is Sonny. I'm Jay Scott. Hey man, thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. Oh man, glad to
1: be here. I'll do this anytime. I love talking music.
0: Ooh, All right, man. Take care of each other. Me. We'll talk soon.